Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone, and our guest mentor today is Andrew Jepson, who's owner and founder of Vincero Consulting, that provides outsourced CFO services targeted to SME businesses, as well as coaching and mentoring programs to high-performing finance teams. Now Andrew's very passionate on this episode about finance business partnering, that comes across quite a lot, and he's also a regular contributor on LinkedIn uh, on the topic, but also of adding value for SMEs as well. And in the meantime, he's teamed up with the Outperformer as part of his compliance to commercial finance business partnering programs. Now, Andrew is based out of Sydney, Australia. He's 15 plus years qualified as a chartered accountant. And he's also worked in many companies globally across multiple industries. When I was preparing the show notes for this episode, Andrew's got some really great quotes. But in terms of key points we covered together was where his passion for finance business partnering comes from, the paradox that most accounting and finance professionals have when we're within organizations, particularly when we move from practice into industry or even start making our way in the profession, how he arrived on the expression from compliance to commercial, and also a couple simple techniques for not only improving our credibility, but then going on to become trusted advisors. So the show notes for this episode can be found on sitnshow.com slash podcast slash zero two eight. So without further ado, over to Andrew and the show. Yeah, sure. So I'm a chartered accountant. I'm in lonely little Sydney in Australia, a little island at the bottom of the world, but um, <laughs> plenty of business going on over here. So yeah, there's lots to do. Uh, I started off as an auditor many years ago. I did auditing for four years and at the time loved it. Um, looking back, I I doubt I'd ever go back there again, but at the time I really enjoyed it. And I think anyone out there who is an auditor, you get a great uh, foundation and basis for accounting by doing that. So I did that for a period of time. Moved over to London uh, and spent some time in London doing group financial accounting roles, uh, mainly in a FTSE 100 company there which was great experience, but I, I really wanted, I yearned to get into a business unit and start to apply my skills in a business unit and help help a company or an organisation or a business unit uh, make more money or, or save more money. So I came home to Australia, did a couple of years at Lendlease, which is a, a global company, and then I moved into a company called Frucor, which was a quite a commercial role. Frucor is Australia's third largest beverage uh, supplier, um, FMCG uh, type company. Uh, and I spent about seven years there pretty much doing everything from uh, from a finance perspective. So financial control, worked on strategy with the exec team uh, and ended up being a head of commercial finance there. But I thought I wanted to be a finance director and I thought I wanted to be a CFO and, um, you know, of an ASX company or something like that. But what I found in my journey, and I, I didn't find it out until late on, is that 
I actually quite enjoy getting my hands dirty and being in the business rather than sitting in a boardroom and discussing uh, all sorts of things. I actually like going out and getting into the business. So I, I stepped away from Frugal and thought, well, what can I do? And I and I started up my own consulting business that does freelance CFO stuff for smaller organisations, so typically less than 100 mil. You know, they want to get a CFO in, but they don't want to spend the price tag of a CFO. So they'll get someone like me for two or three days a week, four or five days a month. And I come in and I can provide that expertise. Uh, and at the same time, I can get my hands dirty and get involved in the business uh, and do what I enjoy. So I do that. I also um, I also have a passion for business partnering, which comes out of uh, what I just spoke about. Um, and accordingly, uh, after years of running teams and years of spending time with the Institute facilitating um, CA programs and marking exams. I, I had this frustration that um, you know, people were answering questions and, they, and, and they, saw, they technically, you know, they knew the answer to them. But from a, from a business perspective, I didn't think their, their development was there um, as what I thought. And then you look at the mark and you've given them you know, 15 out of 20, and I was getting <laughs> frustrated with that. So I thought, what can I do about that? So I developed my own business partnering program, which is a development program for sort of up to five years post-qual of people who are moving from financial accounting type roles into more commercial roles or people that are that are perhaps in big four who've now gone into an organisation and the world's completely different. How do they make that transition and how do they, you know, not suffer from the, the, the errors that many people make and and ruin their career quite quickly. How do they how do they learn all that and and, and um, get up to speed quickly. So I do that as well. Um, and that's you know that's a that's a bit of a passion project. That's something that I really enjoy doing and yeah, do it a couple of times a year. So yeah, that's pretty much my journey uh, in five minutes or less. I mean, that's one thing I love doing what I'm doing is I like getting my hands dirty with the business. And, and similarly, you know, I, I ended up working with SMEs myself as, as sort of their virtual CFO. But also, I also share that frustration you did. And like, that was one of the reasons why why we set up this show is because the people I've, I've come across in our profession, particularly the ones that are making the transition from either school, college, or coming from a big four background is technically they're really, really good. I just I just couldn't get over the fact that we've got these people with great potential but didn't really know how to interact with the business and add value and how to develop insights in the way that could they could influence and also make an impact. So so that's why I've sort of set out on a similar journey. And and it's interesting you you've described that as well. I mean, in terms of how we can do finance business partnering a bit more effectively, I know in the past you've sort of shared articles on this, but could you break that down for us to maybe four or five key things that that our listeners could take away? The main thing that I talk about in in my program and and a lot of my blogs and material that people see on LinkedIn is this concept that. Um, business partnering is all about trying to influence things and trying to influence other functions who are non-finance um, and push them in a certain direction or provide them with insight and um, uh, course correction and that sort of stuff. 
And the thing, you can't actually get influence until you have credibility. So you've got to build your credibility up within an organisation before you can even think about trying to influence people. And the credibility comes from the basic finance things that you need to do. So your month-end reporting and, and all that sort of analysis, that's where you start to build your credibility. Now, some people try to cheat the system and just try to go out and <laughs> provide insight and influence straight away. And if they haven't got that credibility, they'll get shot down uh, really quickly. Um, some people are really good at it. You talked before about um, technical ability. Now, now I, I, I like to talk about... Um, technical ability is great but um, it's not what defines you as successful in an organisation because what happens with your technical ability is that you go to university and you study for a few years then you go and do your professional qualification whatever that is it might be CA or CPA or ACCA or whatever it is you do that for about five or six years and you are at the top of your game technically when you complete that you won't know anything more about accounting standards or tax law or anything more than what you know at that time when you when you finish your course. So you're technically as strong as you'll ever be. But what tends to happen after that is that once you get in an organisation, your technical ability drops off and it gets defined by the role that you're in at the time. So an example for me, I worked at Lend-Lease for a period of time and in that role I had to look after share plans. So I had to do share plan accounting you know, all the time. So I was constantly looking at that standard and, and making sure that the transactions that were coming through around share plans, I was over how to, how to account for them. If you ask me now how the share plan accounting standard works, I'd have no idea because I, I just don't spend time in it. But what most accountants believe is that their technical skills is what will make them successful. And yeah. now if that was true, when you're at the top of your game in your, in your technical skills, yeah. that's when you finish your CA. If that was true, you'd be the manager and the managers would be the staff. So there's something else going on with people that, um, you know, the managers, they're doing something else that makes them successful and it's not technical. And that's the paradox or the paradigm that most finance people who go and work in organisations have is that they believe that their technical skills and you know doing another course and doing another program is going to get unlock them into this brilliant space of their career and it's not there's 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 other things going on and it's applying that technical knowledge and being able to talk a language of the people in your organization and it's the way you behave in the organization that so the, the things that you say and the things that you do yeah. and the way that you be and how you interact with your team and how you interact with your peers who are non-finance people and how you interact with your boss. They're all really, really, really important to get you ahead in your career. And some people have nutted that and have no technical skills whatsoever yeah. and they get promoted um, really quickly. Everyone's got a story of you know someone who got promoted and you look at them and you think, how did they get promoted? They, they don't know anything. Well, they're really good at this behavioural thing and being able to apply the technical. That's what they're well, good that's, at. So, well, that, I'm, I'm delighted you raised that because it just seems that some of the, the younger people I know have mentored and, and coached over the years is they feel like they have to do more courses. And I, I mean, I get that. I mean, if you're part of any institute, I mean, part of uh, SEMA, and they, I think one, was it last month, they sent me 18 emails selling courses. And it just feels like mm. you're on this constant treadmill to improve technical levels and, and so on. I mean, that was why I picked an, an MBA and the organization I was working with, because when you look around and see the people who were progressing at the time I wanted to be a finance director, I felt you needed an MBA to be able to speak the language of the business. 
and then and yes. then that's not a technical course you know and then you sort of realize you look around and i'm glad you sort of said you look around at people who are progressing and they're not doing those technical courses and you wonder how they're doing it well that's a really good question to ask because then people might actually start seeing the way of getting ahead and you think about if someone's doing a week-long course eight hours a day that's 40 hours imagine if you spent those 40 yeah. hours observing and talking with mentors or finding out how people are getting ahead in the areas you want to then isn't that a better yeah, way exactly. of spending your time just the way you sort of said it yeah so, so that's exactly right i mean if you if you were to look up any learning model out there around um courses and how you how you then apply that in your organization 10% of the learning comes from the material that you yep. that you go and learn on a course. 20 of it comes from coaching, so coaching from your your peers or your boss or your or whatever it is, and then 70% of it's on the job. So if you're going and just doing course after course after course, you're missing out on that 70%, which is on the job training and reinforcing what you've learnt in those courses. You've got to have a connection between them. So. I'll completely. Now, I don't want to miss the fact that you do the exam marketing as well. They said it for financial accounting. So from, I suppose, the technical perspective of what you're seeing in the, the exam papers that you're marking, yes. uh, any sort of trends you spotted over the last 10 years? I think, I mean, I, I do it for the CA um, in in Australia. So the, the trend I see when I'm marking exams is you, you get the typical perfect technical answer, which generally will get well marked and get sort of 14 15 out of 20 and then you get these advanced answers where you can really see the depth of the candidate's understanding of of uh, they, they can read between the lines of what the question's asking they're not just answering what's on the page because um, i mean anyone who's, who's done a professional qualification you can nearly get through the exams by just having a really good um what we call a critical file which has all your templates and all that sort of stuff so you get a question and you just you know, effectively copy and paste. Um, but the the really good um, candidates who are getting 18, 19, 20 out of 20, they're they're writing succinctly and they and they and they can clearly articulate the the depth and breadth of what's in the question. Um, it's quite interesting. And then the and then the other way, you just get some some really robotic answers that are that it's they're just way off, and you just yeah, they they sometimes you can't. Um, you can't quite understand what they're saying. So um, there is there is an art in, you know, you, you're reading a question and you're answering it and you've got to articulate it on a, on a bit of paper and write it for someone who's going to read it and have no idea where you're coming from. So, so there is an art and a skill in that, especially when you're under time pressure. So, um, yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy the exam marking because you get to see what things people are struggling with, um, things like working capital. I mean, at, the, oh, at wow. the qualification stage, it's really hard to, you're reading what people are saying about working capital. Working capital is quite simple. <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've got inventory and you want to try and sell it. And as soon as you sell it, you want to turn that into cash. So inventory and your debtors, it's just turning that into cash as quickly as you can. But they get the candidates get wrapped up in um, 
the technical um, sort of mathematics and formulas of it, um, and it's just really bizarre to watch. It's weird. It's weird. It's one of those things that that actually, and that's, I have to say, like that's a definitely an avenue when you're working with the smaller companies. They seem to lose their way at working capital. And of course, cash is king. And I, I don't know about you, but yes. I found that it wasn't until I started getting my my hands dirty with businesses in a good way in terms of practicing some of these ideas in those environments, it becomes second nature how you, you manage and get the That's most right. unoptimized work and capital, where it must be hard for exam students, uh, the people who haven't really had that experience to get a sense of and and get it yeah, get it, get out of their own heads a bit on those sort of things but but i, I think that's probably a, a general general feel i'm getting is people maybe are lacking that practical experience when they're doing the exams so that it is a bit like second nature but it, it is still a good foundation one thing i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you about it is i absolutely love your expression from compliance to commercial how did you come up with that <laughs> that's a good question i probably spent about two or three months coming up trying to come up with a with a catchy little phrase to it but it was it was what what am i trying to do here what sort of a program am i trying to build and i'm trying to build a program that um protects us accountants from what's coming in the next five or ten years and that's robotics and ai and outsourcing um and centers of excellence and all that sort of stuff where the transactional processing type nature of um, a large part of an accountant's role in the past is just not going to be, um, it's going to be streamlined very quickly and done by things that can do it a thousand times quicker than a human can. So um, that's compliant type work. Um, so the, the real, that, that that's where we are and where I think we need to be as accountants is we need to be trusted advisors for the organisations we're in. And the only way we can do that is to get a really, deep um, breadth and depth understanding of what's going on in a business um, and you can do that a thousand ways um, and that's being really commercial um, so yeah it just came out of that we, 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 we are trained and we're programmed and we're conditioned to be compliant in nature and objective the world's a very complex place and so is business um, it's more subjective um, it's more grey, um, and that's that's where finance people can take that technical training, which 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 they need, and start to start to add some value in businesses. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore because in my mind, there's two things, two mega trends going on in our profession. There's this sort of digitization that you mentioned with the robotics, the artificial intelligence and so on and, and yes. the centers of excellence and then you've got the other side which i think is encouraging us to be more human as accountants and we're, yeah. and I, i'm not going to take a, a big dig at the accounting bodies here because we have a lot of personal responsibility to be more human but it just feels that some we're not maybe as fast out the blocks getting that sort of technical training to that, that are at our table stakes to get that stuff out of our head so we can hit the ground running a bit better with these sort of more human skills that are required as part of finance business partnering. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, um, the reality of business is that it's all it's all people. It's dealing with people and talking to people and trying to understand things that have happened through through people. Um, now you can automate and roboticize as much as you want, but somewhere along the line there is still a relationship in business and that will never that will never go away going back to my old economics because it's people and organizations we generate costs anytime we do an activity there's costs hence activity-based costing 
but then customers are people too and they're the ones that generate the profits because customers are the profit centers so it's all about people it's how you make money it's how you save money it's, it's all about people it's all about relationships yeah 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 people will do business with uh people or organizations that they trust i may speak for myself but i certainly don't trust a robot just yet <laughs> Um, now I may get to a, I may get to a place where I do, but that tells me that business will forever, or for yeah. at least a short to medium time, will still be heavily reliant on human beings. And as accountants, um, that's something that we can tap into completely. So, Andrew, what's what's exciting you most about finance and accounting at the moment? I mean, this business partnering concept that's just it's come out of it's been floating around for a while. It's probably just the business partnering's just been just a tag that's been given yeah. to it. And I mean, that that is a mega trend at the moment that's happening. And I just happen to be in that space, in, you know, in the right place at the right time. But I think articulating what that means and starting to transition people away from this transactional stuff to being, um, you know, building more relationships and, and getting becoming trusted advisors to people is, is, is pretty exciting for me. Um, I, I get a lot of um, people talking to me about this and wanting to tap into my insights around it it is a very 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 broad space you can go in a number a thousand different ways um the approach i like to take and the approach uh myself and brad at the outperformer tend to take is to take it from the angle of the non-finance person so a lot of finance business partnering stuff that's out there at the moment is from a finance perspective We've gone out and done research from the other side, so sales, marketing, operations, HR, IT. What are they looking for out of their finance business partners? Because once we can work that yeah. out, we can then start to think and talk about and develop the things that we need to to give them what they want. And it's the same with the customer. If you're going out and giving a customer a product that you want them to have, if they don't want it and they don't need it, then it's actually useless to them. So I think one of the things with business partnering at the moment is we're trying to be finance people for them, and they're not. And and the other functions aren't wanting that. They're wanting something else. Now, whether there's a disconnect between understanding what good finance looks like and what it doesn't, that 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 needs to be navigated through. Yeah, for for sure. For sure. I, I I like to describe this sort of journey as you know we all need to go to the dentist at some point to check get our teeth checked mm. out but how many of us really want to and and like it's just and it's just thinking about that process it's it's like the business partners they definitely need to have their finances done in a, in a particular way but there's a lot more that they they need and perhaps not realize that they want but for the for to be yes. successful on that journey they have to realize they want it so it does actually and how do you get there well it's just going out and engaging with them and figuring out what it is that they want versus what they think they have at the moment and then closing sort of gaps there. Even if you don't think it's the best thing to do, it's moving at that, that angle. Yeah. And then you can start opening up to what they need and all the stuff that we've been trained to provide them with. So, so yeah. you know, it's, a, it's, it's, yeah. just, it's just an interesting, it's just interesting that I, I feel, I know I'll hold my hand up and say I was the guilty one sort of thinking, I've got all these skills, they definitely need these things, but they don't really know that they need them. And also you, you don't underestimate how much knowledge an accountant or a finance person has yeah. <clears throat> that they take for granted oh, and think good point. that others do. So, good point. Um, a, a great example, I get, I, get, um, I get an email from my sister-in-law probably two or three times a year where she emails me and asks me how to calculate a percentage for <laughs> 
Now, I don't even, yeah. I don't even have to get the calculator yeah. out. I can give her that percentage yeah. in one second. Yeah. But for her, she, she that's something that she finds really difficult to do. She's got a whole lot of other things that she's brewing at that I couldn't do. And that's what yeah. business partnering exactly. is. It's, it's me recognizing what is my partner good at yeah. and getting them to do that. And what am I good at that they're bad at? And I can step in and help them do that. And they can step in and help me do some stuff. And together you, you, you become a better partnership. That, that's, that's what it's all about. And I think a lot of finance people sit there and go, why doesn't this person know how to do this? Why do they keep oh, getting it wrong? And that's, that's, wrong. that's, that's not effective. Yeah. That, that, that's part of the problem. Yeah, but I love the example. I mean, and, and great. We do, we do take those sort of things for granted. You know, you'd be in a meeting and someone mm. would look across at you and expect you to do the answer to percentage and it comes straight off the top of the head. We, we can do those things, yeah. you know. Um, and, that's a good, and that's a great way. That is a great, what I talked about before, that's a great way of building your credibility is getting out and getting in front of people and just spending time with them. And something that you think is really yep. simple, you will show it to them and they'll it's think brilliant. it's really complicated and they just think you're a genius yeah. and brilliant. <laughs> and, and they tell their manager who tells their manager and all of a sudden, you know, Andrew's this brilliant person where really you've just done something quite basic that they didn't understand. And that's a really easy way to build your credibility. Once you get your credibility, you can start to influence people. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, what a great example. Thanks, Andrew. So look, I'm going to step, step it up a couple of gears. In terms of young, in your career, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Uh, the best piece of advice I ever got was my first ever audit partner that I worked for. So I started as a as a graduate and, and was reporting straight into a, um, uh, an audit manager who quickly became a partner. Um, and he used to drill into me, take ownership. Take ownership of what you're doing and own what you're doing. Don't, don't rely on someone else stepping in to review your work. You, you own it as if it's yours um, and don't ever make assumptions about anything. Oh. If, you, if you're unsure about something, spend a little bit more time getting it right. Um, and that got drilled into me in my in my early days and it's it's stay with me my whole career i mean I'm, I'm i'm a person i talk about it in my course and it's also I'm, I'm writing a book on the course and it's part of the chapters is having an appetite for understanding something so i've always been told i'm a quite a curious person and want to understand things i don't and how do you teach curiosity <laughs> I don't think you can teach curiosity. It's really hard to do. But what I try and say is, yet you have to have an appetite to understand stuff and own things. Yet you you have to you have to want to understand a problem and get to the bottom of it and 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 dig deep into it if you if you really want to be helpful and provide value. So yeah, we used to joke in the firm about you know are you owning this is what what he used to always say. Um, but it just it, it drilled into me really early on, and and you know um, if I pick something up, I, I'll, I'll treat it as my own. You know, treat things as a business owner, that sort of stuff. They're all the same themes. So. Great bit of advice, and, and to actually get it so young as well. Um, just you just remind to me of, yep. of when I actually had something very similar given to me. But uh, thanks for reminding, reminding of that one. <laughs> um, so that was that was really good advice in terms of maybe resources or a book you'd recommend our listeners. Probably two books that I'd recommend. Um, the first one, especially for finance people and people who are leading teams, because um, most accountants and finance people go through this transition of doing the work and then managing the work. Mm-hmm. 
and they, and, they, and you need a different skill set. Um, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek is a great book around um, managing people and the qualities of managing people and creating a safe environment for them to work in rather than a, a threatening one where they, they feel exposed all the time. That That's a, I mean, you can, if you just want to, Quick, quick find through the book. You can see that on uh, you can see that on YouTube. Anything from Simon Sinek um, around that. Um, another really good book is a book um, called "What Got You Here Won't Get yeah. You There," and that's a that's a book on career and what I just talked about is the skills that you develop as you're doing the work are very different to the skills that you need when you're leading or managing or directing the work. Um, and that's a great book because it talks about um, different um, different types of personality traits and, and how um, how they can come unstuck. And if you've got those people in your team, what how you need to approach them and that sort of stuff. It's a really 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 good book. It, it gives different um, different perspectives on things. Oh, fant- oh, fantastic answers. So I was just thinking our conversation so far has been sort of focused on the now and. I guess uh, you know earlier in our careers and, and what you're seeing in terms of the future, Andrew. If there was one thing you could sort of change in finance and accounting, what would that be? Uh, it's going to sound like I'm repeating myself, but this this unlocking this business partnering concept is it's a bit of a passion project for me. And um, as I said before, I've sort of found myself probably similar to you, right place, right yep. time in terms of. Um, you know the year 2018 and where the accounting industry is and you know I'd like to be thought of someone who's influenced that and and, and tried to change that because I think there's a lot of power in it if we can we can unlock that as, a, as an industry because um, if it goes the other way we, we may find ourselves um, staring at an industry that others think don't add any value and yeah. when that happens the robots will start rolling in so yeah um, that that's that's exciting, but with anything that is, is exciting, you know, there's there's some nervousness <laughs> about stuff. But um, I mean, I always sit, you know, jump in and get involved in it and, and and be part of the change. That's how I see see the world. I think it's it's, an, it's also a passion for me, and that I you know, I suppose we we both use finance business partnering as as some an area we work with. But but for me. If we, as accountants and finance professionals, look at our scorecard to date, we still have nine out of ten businesses failing after thirty-five years. Doesn't matter what country you're in, um, yes. you know. And do we really think, as as professionals who are very well technically trained, that's good enough? You know. So so yeah. look, I know I fundamentally believe with finance business partnering, becoming more human with this mindset. You know, let's put the skills to one side for it. It's a more of a mindset shift we improve that and do that better we can move the needle and let's flip it on its head from one in ten businesses being successful to maybe two out of ten that's a hundred percent improvement so i think we can do that by switching over and let the robotics take care of all the stuff that takes us away from doing the finance business partnering well from being human so so that's where i get a lot of drive from it is i think we we can do that better the business has become better and then there's more opportunities then for accountants and finance professionals to add even more value as businesses are being more successful. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think any accountant out there who doesn't want to get into the business partnering world, I mean, the, the, my world, there's some, I go to work every day with a you know, a thought in my head or an agenda of, you know, for want of a better word, a to-do list of the things I want to get stuck into. And I get there and, um, you know, my client's, 
they asked me something completely different. So the variety and the things that you can get involved oh. in, and the and the and the spaces you can take it to are, are endless. If you if you're just prepared to to get into that space and be a bit vulnerable, you won't know anything. You won't know everything. Um, but that's okay. No one does. Um, but the amount of learning that you can do every day is different, and you're learning something um, every day, and you pocket that stuff and use it later on. I, I like I like that. It's uh, well, well well described. <laughs> it's like it described my working day. <laughs> so, it's good fun. It, well, exactly, and I think I think there's probably a bit of a trend there. I don't know, maybe as I'm noticing it more because because I've I've got into this space, this sort of virtual CFO and working with SMEs, but. Uh, you know, more and more people getting into this space because they're not finding the opportunities in larger companies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's um, yeah. But uh, but maybe maybe we should look into. There's a few people I probably you know we could probably ask uh, who who might know better. But um, look look Andrew, great conversation. In terms of how best can people get in contact with you if they want to want to know more about you and and I think you sort of mentioned the the courses you're doing. What's the best way? of them getting in contact yeah there's a, there's there's several ways you can get in contact with me uh, the easiest is on linkedin and just just reaching out and connecting and flick me a flick me a mail or a message and i i'll, I'll respond to that um i my, my all my contact details are on linkedin so email phone number all that sort of stuff it's sometimes hard for a global audience to to get us at the right time down here in Australia, but uh, by all means, uh, I turn my phone on to silent at night. So if you ring and I don't answer, I'm, it just means I'm asleep. Uh, so that, that's probably the best way. I also do I do a, a bit of work with Brad Eisenhuth, the, the app performer who you had on your show um, a couple of weeks back. Um, Brad and I do a, a lot of work in this space around finance careers and business partnering and other other areas of expertise uh, leadership and that sort of stuff so if there's anyone out there who who would like to um, get some insight into how they can bring that alive in their organization uh, reach out to us um, we, we we can help you there my um i also as i mentioned i do do a development program called compliance to commercial we're running that so i run that through the app performer now um and we're running that again in sydney in march and in may if you would like some details um feel free to reach out to me but um you, you you'll probably see a lot of that content on uh, linkedin as well going forward so yeah they're probably the best ways to contact me thanks andrew and what i'll do is i'll those links that andrew mentioned up on the show notes as well so andrew uh, look i really appreciate you taking your time it's quite late for you there over in australia so so thanks for making it on the show really appreciate your insights and look forward to speaking to you again soon no problems thanks for having me so there you have it hope you enjoyed today's show if you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me 
I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. And when all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.